Kia ora, kia ora, kia ora. Welcome back to the G-Witch Show, episode number three. Yes, we've made it through number one, number two, on to number three. And now that we're starting to get a bit of traction, we're getting into the groove of it with this show, I want to put it back to you. Yes, you. If you have anything that you want me to cover, any particular topics, any lessons, anything like that, please let me know down in the comments so I can take that feedback and incorporate it into any future episodes. And the other thing I want to do Right before we jump into the show is, I want you to check out my my shirt. Tane Collection from the Hinek Collection. Hey, I reckon if the team at the Hinek Collection checked out their largest orders from Australia, it'd probably be from my missus. She has got drawers full of their gear and she's finally hooked me up. She finally hooked up, hooked me up with the Tane Collection. Starting to get my own little set of gears now. Awesome quality, so please check them out. But that's enough from me. Let's get into the show. Let's check out what's happening around Dao Hoodie Hoodie. All right, the first story we're looking at today, Maldi place names to stay on Met Service website. Now, I think this is a fantastic initiative, plain and simply from the perspective of having the language more and more in your face, which helps it to norm- helps to normalize the language throughout society. Now, if we put the controversy of the language aside, you know, there was a point in time when it was strange to see a car on the road then it became normalized through more and more vehicles being on the road. Fast forward to 2022, we're seeing more and more electrical vehicles on the road, which at the moment still seems a little bit out of place, but in 20 years time, our roads will probably be full of electric cars. It'll become the new normal. I think we can take that same thinking and apply it to language in public. The more it's put out there, the more people can see it, the more it becomes normalized. The haters today in their 30s, 40s and 50s time's going to move past them. We're going to have a generation of children that are born over the next 10, 20 years that they're going to grow up in an environment where Tareo Māori is just everywhere in front of them and it is completely normalised alongside English. This story, I really don't think it's a big story and I'm only highlighting it because I think it's complete clickbait. The title, Will Disney's Avatar Sequel Trigger Another Diversity Backlash? And it's true that we do see a lot of backlash, a lot of arguments online about diversity and how it shows itself in entertainment. And I think all this article does is become a precursor to any diversity backlash and just raises it and says, hey, do you think maybe we should have some backlash on this? And it really is pointed at trying to create division to create tension between two sides of the diversity argument. And at the center of that, unfortunately, is Māori. All because they are somewhat loosely represented, I wouldn't even say represented, in the new Avatar movie. All right, RNZ reporting Tauranga Maunga officially recognized with original Māori name. A hill near Tauranga, popularly known as Mount Misery, had its Māori name Maunga Tutu officially recognized. Which is awesome that, hey, the Māori name's been recognized, but really, Mount Misery? I mean, would you even really want to say that you come from Mount Misery? Just sad. I'd much rather say I come from Maunga Tutu, not Mount Misery. And our final story, bit of a personal interest story. At the Koori Knockout, the Newcastle All Blacks, NAB, have won. If you've never watched knockout footy, you want to watch some tough, hard football, go and watch Koori Knockout footy. All right, our kupu wote wiki this week. It's actually two words, two kupu. They are poi hakena and poi 
Piripi. Poi Hakena being the kupu that we use for Sydney, as in Sydney, Australia, and Poi Piripi being the word that we use for Melbourne down in Victoria. And I picked these two particular words because I think they're they're a little bit interesting because they don't actually sound like the names that they represent. Poi Hakena sounds nothing like Sydney. Poi Piripi sounds nothing like Melbourne. So where do these kupu come from? Well, each kupu is actually representative of the ports at those locations. Poi Hakena being the breakup of Port Jackson, which is based in Sydney, and Poi Piripi being the breakup of Port Phillip down in Melbourne. And when you think about it, it kind of makes sense that they'd be named after the ports. See, when these words were first developed, first established, the primary routes between Australia and Aotearoa was via sea. And so th these were the these were the main destinations that you traveled to. I guess you didn't necessarily travel to Sydney, you traveled to Port Jackson. You didn't necessarily travel to Melbourne, you traveled to Port Phillip. And in that sense, I think they're kind of a nice little nod back to the colonial days when trade and relations between the two countries were beginning. There obviously comes a whole range of other issues with that. The fact that those words are based around the ports that we would travel between with shipping being the primary mode of transport, I just think that's kind of nice, kind of nostalgic. Hmm. This week's Harikoa highlight comes from Kitty H via the Grammar Basics for Beginners course. And I'm going to show you a little bit more about that course in this episode. Kitty says, awesome course. I feel like I have a much better grasp on these concepts to now apply to my Tadeo Māori learning journey. Thank you, Grant. Now, in this course, we cover a whole bunch of grammar topics that people typically struggle with in English, and that's where this is coming from. Kia ora, Kitty. In our pause for pronunciation today, we're going to look at the word kapahaka. And I've picked this word because it is quite a simple word in that it's only got one vowel, that being A, yet it is still a word that I quite often hear butchered. Kapahaka, kapahaka. The fact that there is four vowel sounds in there means that it does have a lot of opportunity for it to be butchered up. So for this segment this week, we're going to have a look at kapahaka and how to pronounce it properly. Now, one of the first things that you'll learn with pronunciation in Te Reo Māori is how to pronounce a, E, I, O, U. And it's exactly that. A, E, I, O, U. And when we add these consonants to that A sound, we get K, A, H, A, P, A, M, A, N, A. And for Kapahaka, we get K, A, P, A, H, A, K, A. Ka, Pa, Ha, Ka. Kapahaka. And so what you want to stress here is that R sound is very consistent. It is uniquely consistent between each of those four sounds. Ka, pa, ha, ka. Kapahaka. So if you can focus more on the vowel sounds being consistent, ah, 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 I think you can really start to be able to pull that word together and say it properly. So for our grammar lesson today, I'm going to jump in and have a look at this free course that I run. You can jump into the link down in the description below and, and jump on. It's only a couple of clicks. It's a course that I'd put together because I noticed that when trying to teach people about grammar in Te Reo Māori, they didn't have a good grasp on grammar in English, which made it really, really difficult to try and understand grammar contextually between the two languages. 
So I've put together this really basic course. It's got a key focus on English grammar with a bit of a sprinkle of Te Reo Māori in there as well. By the end of the course, you'll have a better understanding of grammar in English, which will make the application of grammar in Te Reo Māori much easier. All right, so when you sign up, when you log in, you'll come to this screen here, Grammar Basics for Beginners, and you'll see that there's 10 parts down here. 10 parts down the bottom. So we can click on start course and it will take you to this section here. And it's a completely, it's a, it's a video course. The whole thing is video course. So as we click on these different parts down here, on the right hand side, we'll see that it brings up uh, nothing but a video that you can start working with. Now it's also got a little bit of a social element. You can click down the bottom here. You can see it's got comments and there's lots of comments from people that have gone through and finished the course break down sentences into four key topics. So this episode here, or this part here, goes for about 10 minutes. And so you can see on the right hand side here that we go through sentences, we go through nouns, verbs, tense, particles, locatives, commands, demonstratives, personal pronouns and possessives. And remember, these are all topics that we cover off using English grammar as the basis, but we're starting to very slightly look at it through a lens of Te Reo Māori. So for instance, you'll see in verbs here that we're looking at how a sentence is constructed in English. And then we're over here, we're looking at all different types of verbs so we can get a better understanding of what verbs are. So that's a summary of the course. Check out the link for it down in the description below. My Fakaro for today, we're reaching back into the vault, back to a topic that's still relevant today. Kia ora, it's Grant Whitbourne here, and today I want to talk about an issue that I'm seeing. I want to talk about a problem that I'm seeing in people that are starting to learn Te Reo Māori. And <clears throat> really fundamentally comes down to what they're trying to learn at the very start of the journey and how that really can inhibit the rest of the journey and how they progress on that journey into learning Te Reo Māori. So when people often get started, they think, all right, I'm going to start with the basics. The basics is where I need to start. So what are the basics? And for some reason, we automatically, we go straight back to the basics of a child. We go straight back to colors. We go straight back to numbers, shapes, and animals. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with learning these things. Yes, they are full of words, uh, words that will progress your vocabulary, fill your, fill your kit there of new words, <clears throat> and you'll be able to learn all these new wonderful things. Now, the problem is, there's a difference between how a child learns those things and how an adult learns those things. And what I believe that is, is when a child is learning colors, when a child is learning shapes, when a child is learning the color blue, they're not just learning the color blue. You see, as a baby, they've got an empty mind. They've got a blank canvas and they've got all this stuff in the world that they need to learn. So when they're learning the color blue, they're not just learning the word blue. They're learning how blue sits within the context of the world. They're learning that the sky is blue, that the ocean is blue, <clears throat> that that car over there is blue. When they're learning shapes, they're learning not just the word round or a circle. They're learning that a ball is round. They're learning that the moon is round, that the earth is round. They're learning that the, the wheel on the car is round. <clears throat> and from that, round things actually roll. So when we're learning these things, or when children are learning, learning these really basic words, 
they're learning them not only just as words themselves, but within the context of the world. Now, why is this a problem <clears throat> for you as a new learner or for anyone as a new learner in Tadeo Māori? You already know how those words fit within the world. You already know what blue is. You know that there's different shades of blue. You know that the sky is blue, that the ocean is blue, that that car is over there is blue. You know that the wheel is round, that the ball is round, that the moon is round, all those sorts of things. So for you, there's not a lot of sense in learning that word because you already know fundamentally what that word means. Whereas a child, they don't. They're still learning all these things. They're still learning how the world works, how colors work in the world, how shapes work in the world, how animals work in the world, how people work in the world. Whereas we as adults, <clears throat> we know all those things already. So we're really stuck trying to learn a word on its own and we don't need to learn any more context behind it. I'm only really talking about these basic words here, colors, shapes, numbers even, uh, vehicles, all those sorts of things. So for an adult, you really need to be learning something that you can put within the, the context of your own life, something that you can contextualize within your own life, just as a child does with those uh, really basic words. <clears throat> we as adults need to do the same thing because if we can give context, if we can give purpose and we can give meaning to the words that we're saying, then they're much more likely to stick up here. They're much more likely to be retained. Now, this is something that I've taught in my boot camps uh, since we've started them, <clears throat> and that is repetition. Repetition of words and high frequency. So when I talk about repetition, I don't mean just learning the word blue and saying it over and over and over and over again, because you don't have the, the it's it's not a practical word in most people's lives. They don't use blue a lot. When I talk about repetition and I talk about frequency, I'm talking about taking those words, taking those sayings that you're already using in a really high frequency in your day-to-day -day life, <clears throat> converting them into Te Reo Māori and starting from there as a base. Now, there's a principle in life called the 80-20 principle, and it can be applied to language. And the 80-20 principle basically revolves around 80% of what we get in life comes from about 20% of what we do. Uh, in business, you know, 80% uh, of the results usually come from, say, 20% of the products. In sport, rugby, 80% of the points will come from 20% of the players. In language, 80% of the total amount of words that we speak you're usually made up of 20% of our language. So we really only need to focus on that 20% uh, of those high-frequency words, and we should, in theory, be able to get somewhere around the 80% of what we're saying uh, in real life. So, for instance, uh, imagine you're working at McDonald's. Imagine a McDonald's worker. Every single day they're saying, hello, what would you like? Hello, um, what can I get you? Something along those lines. Now, they're saying that phrase two, three, four, five hundred times a day. If they go and learn how to say that phrase and they can continue to say it, then it's much more likely to stick because they've got context around that phrase. They have a purpose behind saying it. They have to say it in order to you know, fulfill the role of their job. Whereas if they go out and learn the word blue, when are they going to use blue? When are they ever going to use blue? They won't. 
unless they've really got to try and use it. And by forcing yourself to use those words, it doesn't really become a natural state of language. And at the end of the day, that's what language is. Language is natural. We're just talking. We're just communicating with other people. So what I really encourage people to do is go and find those high-frequency words, and they're always they're different for everyone. They're different from the girl at McDonald's. They're different from the postal worker. They're different from the stay-at-home mum, the stay-at-home dad, the fly-in, fly-out worker, <clears throat> the high-rolling executive. Everyone has a different set of language that they use, different sets of high-frequency words and different sets of high-frequency phrases. So now you've got this far in the video. At the start of the video, I did say that I was going to give you uh, a challenge, uh, give you uh, some tips that you can take away to really reinforce this. So what I encourage you to do is tomorrow, from tomorrow morning, don't forget, tomorrow morning, take out a pen, take out a paper, take out your note taker in your phone, whatever it is. And throughout the day, I really want you to focus on what you're saying. And as you go through the day, I want you to really focus on uh, any high-frequency words, high-frequency phrases that you're saying, and I want you to take note of them. Write them down on your phone, write them down in a notebook, whatever's easy, type them up on a computer. And as you get towards the end of the day, I want you to have a list, a list of all the high-frequency words and phrases that you're saying in English. Okay, we're not talking about today yet. See, the goal of this is really to identify for you personally, because you're going to be different to everyone else, identify what those high-frequency words and those high-frequency phrases are. Now, that's the first step. I want you to cull that down, if you can, <clears throat> cull it down to 10 and focus on the top 10 things that you're saying every single day. Next step, go away and find the translation. I don't mean go away, literally go away. I mean, take those words away and find the translations for them. Ask people if you have to. Look up the translations on modidictionary.co.nz. Uh, ask in Facebook groups. Maybe don't message me because I get lots of different messages uh, and I may not be able to get back to you straight away. Um, ask Fano, ask friends. Just try and come up with the translations for those words. Then your next goal, your next step, your next action item is to take all those words, take those phrases and start putting them into your daily routine, starting at the highest frequency one. If your highest frequency word is yelling at the kids because you're at home with them all day and you're always telling them stop that or don't do that, Start with that. Don't be like that. Don't do that. There's your first one if you're a stay-at-home mom. If you're yelling at the kids, that's probably the first one. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, if you've got any others, go away, try and find the translations for them and start implementing them on day two. So tomorrow, tomorrow morning, you're starting with your list. That's your first step. Cull it down to 10. Get your translations on day two. Get all those worked out. Don't muck around with it. Then day three, Bang, get into action, start implementing them as <clears throat> as quickly as you can. Write them out if you have to, put them up on the wall, uh, put stickers up around the house, reminders, all those sorts of things, alarms on your phone, whatever you've got to do. You really need to take action with this and uh, really start moving with it because if you don't, then it's never going to happen. So that's my tip for today. That's my... Uh, that's my, my view on one of the biggest mistakes that people are making these days. And there's my little action tip for how you can rectify it. So thanks for checking out today's video. If you haven't already, do please hit the subscribe button down below, subscribe button down below uh, so we can stay in touch so you can keep up to date with all the new videos that come out. And please let me know all those words down in the comments section. I may not translate them for you, but I would love to hear what all those words are and what those high frequency words and phrases are for you. 
Now, Fakatoki this week is one that I think should provide you with a lot of inspiration, motivation, and, and something that you could strive to attain. He tangata kei uta, he tangata kei tai. A man ashore, a man at sea. And the description goes on to say, a man of all seasons, a man who can cope with anything. And I really like the duality that's represented here in the land and the sea. For there really is no other place that one can exist. And therefore someone that is adept both at land and at sea is adept in all places. And for me personally, this is something that I think resonates with my own personal belief system in, in what I think I'm capable of and, and definitely what I think I should be striving towards. And that is being adept in all these important areas of my life so I can live a quality life, I can live a fruitful life, I can live a full life. Well, that's it. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of The G-Witch Show. Like I said at the start, if there's something that you're curious about, something that you'd like me to explore or explain on this show, please let me know down in the comments and I'll jump on and see if we can get it incorporated. But for now, I'll see you on the next episode of The G-Witch Show. Kia ora. And that's another language lesson to add to your kete of knowledge. Hey, could you do me a favor? If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any other player, could you jump on and leave a rating and a review? When you do, it helps awesome people just like you, people that are starting out learning Tareo Māori to find this show even faster. If you want to catch up, I'm always hanging out in the Starting in Tareo Māori Facebook group, so you can jump over to Facebook, search that, and we can catch up there. And one last thing, if you're ready to get started, if you're looking to take a more formalized approach to learning Tareo Māori, you can check out my self-paced course at startingintareomaori.com forward slash self-paced course, or you can check out a link for it in the description of this episode. And that's it from me. I'll see you on the next episode of the Starting in Tareo Māori podcast.